And we're back with another episode of Never Work Alone with Christopher Denise and... Evan Biller. And our good friend, Anton Delfino. Anton, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Hey, guys. First of all, thank you for having me. It's pretty fun to be around you guys. Uh, so, yeah, my name is uh, Anton Delfino. Um, I am the owner of Precision Media Works. I couldn't remember that. That's why I had him say it. That's all good. That's all good. Um, and I guess you could say that I am a uh, part-time video guy, part-time DJ, and full-time dad. So Precision Media Works, is that the DJ business and the video business? or Yes. Oh, In awesome. fact, it's an homage to the name of uh, our DJ crew way back in the day. So mm. when I was in high school and in college, my friends and I uh, ran a mobile DJ group. So we would lug a bunch of turntables and speakers and records to house parties, weddings, high school dances, and basically DJ the event. And back back then, our name was uh, uh, Precision Media. Uh, no, Precision. What was it called? <laughs> Not the only uh, Precision. Yeah, exactly. It was, like, <laughs> it was like Precision Media Dynamics. So okay. P and okay. you know, and uh, I, I like it honestly. That it's it's one of those. We hear a lot of funky names, and people. You know, we've made fun of a couple of people that we've worked with in the past, but Precision Media. It, it, it's a it's an elegant name. It's a nice name. It's a clean name. It's thank you. Yeah. It's, it's professional. Yeah. I, I'm curious to go back to the DJ thing. Is it a two-man crew that you you and a, a buddy mm. started this? No, it was, uh, gosh, we rolled pretty deep. It was started by <laughs> two friends. And then, you know, there's a lot of equipment to carry back then, mm-hmm. um, back in the 90s, mid-90s. So there were a good amount of us. There were probably like maybe six DJs total, oh, wow. but then we would okay. also have... Some of our other friends who would kind of come and crash to parties and help loading up and and and, and uh, so you, you, you brought almost like the entire lineup with with an it order. depends on it <laughs> depends on the gig you know there'd be sometimes where and, you know it got to the point where you know people started getting part time jobs mm-hmm. and things like that so whoever was available there were definitely at least two or three for a gig. Um, so did, did you handle the sort of assignment of that? Did you have somebody who was in charge of saying, you're going to handle this gig or that? Or did you guys kind of all go to each gig? We kind of all went to each gig. There was maybe our the main two guys, uh, my buddy uh, Dave and James. They were like the founders. And then there were kind of... Were these high schoolers? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it was it was weird. We were basically running... They were running a business in high school, mm-hmm. a, a freelance business in high school. Yeah. Um, so it was weird, the kind of lessons that you ended up picking up, but didn't know you were picking up until like way later. Okay. You want to talk about any of those? Well, I think the, the first thing was just client relations. You know what I mean? Um, so we're here, we're high schoolers, we're DJing, maybe somebody's quinceanera or I'm Filipino. So there's a, there's a kind of a celebration for, uh, the girls who turn 18 called like a cotillion. We DJ those okay, as well. Yeah. yeah, right. So, you know, we would have to deal with the parents, you know, talk about rate, the day, the kind of itinerary or the schedule, the, the day of schedule. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically make sure that we can provide whatever uh, sound needs that they would have. Sometimes they would bring a CD that they would need to play. They Sometimes we need to bring extra mics. 
It's very thorough. It sounds very. Uh, it could. It sounds like it could be very rewarding for a teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the idea kind of you would work a certain number of hours, including sort of setup and no, n- not really, or? man. Like when we were in high school, we were just down to hang out. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? 18 year old girl party, yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, <laughs> man. Come on, come on. <laughs> no, but uh, you have a little energy and you have no responsibility. Again, see, for me, I wasn't kind of I wasn't a part of any of the kind of planning. I was just kind of one of the hired hands. Yeah. Hired as in I didn't get paid, but maybe the the after after gig meal was covered by the uh, by the by the group. For you. Yeah, yeah so exactly. When you were but, first starting, you were eager just to kind of get behind the turntable, get some experience, and the meal and the experience was enough for you at that point. Yes, but it was really to hang out with my homies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was a good excuse. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> Some kids were out smoking weed and drinking beers, but I was just kind of out doing DJ gigs with with my friends and, you know, visiting cities that I probably never would even go to. Yeah. You know. So how long did that run out, the Precision Dynamics DJ club? Oh, gosh. So when did that start? That probably was started when we were maybe sophomore or junior in high school. And then we did it all through college. And... um but, you know, I think what ended up happening as college started was the guys got into their own thing. Uh, my buddy Dave, computer science mm-hmm. major, so he didn't really have a ton of time to kind of be hustling on the weekends and trying yeah. to do this stuff right. But well, then there was a younger generation uh, of, of guys who kind of came on as interns, and then they were the ones who ended up being the – the guys who were kind of booking the gigs and, you know, we, we would still kind of help out with that here and there um, as far as the older guys. Yeah. Uh, Seeing it go through college, did, did you see the business sort of grow or change in any way? Yeah, kind of. Uh, I guess the, the, the gigs got bigger. So early on, it was just kind of like two speakers, you know, for house party, two speakers, turntable whatever and then it got to a point where we needed to add more lights and then oh we want some projectors where you can show video imagery right. and, and stuff okay. like that so they you know so the rates got higher but we needed to rent more stuff and get more people who would specialize in kind of setting that up so uh, it everything just kind of scaled up until we were like, okay, this isn't really that fun anymore, you know. Yeah. Um, I think we all kind of went in to it just like enjoying the music and enjoying kind of the this vibe. This is just a job now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone kind of grew up. Yeah. But obviously you still love it. You stuck well, with it, right? Yeah. You still do it. Let's, so. let's fast forward. You you went to college and then you didn't DJ for a while mm-hmm. and you've come back into it. I have. Um, there was a, a period of time where I just wasn't, doing it. I was still kind of interested in it, but, you know, I kind of sold my turntables. I didn't have the space for it. But then I think I hit a realization as uh, my wife was pregnant with our first kid. And I was like, hmm, you know, I'm not going to be able to spend freely so much anymore. So I decided <laughs> at that point that, you know what, let me invest in basically a DJ controller. So we were doing the turntables before, but now everything got shrunken down into like this rectangular flat piece with a bunch of buttons and knobs and stuff. So I got one of those um, just to kind of have in my bedroom. 
um, just to play, uh, practice, and just to have fun. You, you know, thinking about it as a business expense. It was purely just. Purely just for, for fun. Yeah. Last toy. Just, yeah. The, the motorcycle that the, every <laughs> guy's buy before. Right, right before the kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what it was. Um, and then I had, some, I had a lot of fun with it. And then I got asked to DJ someone's wedding. And I at first I said, oh, come on, man. I haven't done one of those in like 15 <laughs> years. What are you talking about? And then... I knew someone that I that I could actually do it with, and then when I approached her, um, she's doing big things now. Um, she was a former coworker of mine. Uh, shout out to DJ Syntax, uh, <laughs> but she's doing big things now. But we we did a wedding for a coworker, and I kind of sat there and I was like, you know what, this was really fun, and you know maybe if the scenario is right, um, I do it again. And I've done a few since then, a couple of parties. I did like a forty-year-old uh, uh, birthday party. Shout out to Charlene from uh, <laughs> Four Winds. Yeah, yeah, Four Winds. I DJed Woo! her. I DJed her uh, her party, and it was off the hook. That was so fun. Um, oh, I wish I'd have been there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious now how the videography and the video business comes into your life if you're sort of in the DJ world. Well, sure. In terms of the video, this is actually my second time being a f- freelance video person. Um, the first time I was freelance was when I moved to New York. Uh, I had just, I'm kind of a late bloomer when it comes to video stuff. Like I went to school a little bit later. I was too. You're okay. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so I was a little bit of a late bloomer and then I moved to New York because my girlfriend at the time and who's now my wife was, uh, basically finishing up grad school. And I had been living in San Jose at the time. I had been growing growing up in the Bay Area. And I was like, you know what? If there's going to be one period of time where I'll be able to go to New York, it's right now. So I had finished up my uh, my degree, finished up my student film. I was like, you know what? Let's try to make this film thing happen. And what? why not in New York? So I moved to New York, kind of cut my teeth as a g and I was a grip yeah. and um, lighting technician for kind of indie, lots of indie stuff, some commercials, music videos. And I kind of fell in with like a really good crew um, who got me some gigs. Um, that as, seems to be crew. how it works, right? Especially Absolutely. in the film world. You know, you tie into a crew, they call you again, and you just kind of mm-hmm. get gigs through references, right? Exactly. The first gig I got was through Craigslist. Um, uh, as Craigslist. some, yeah. <laughs> you know, and... We've all been there. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And then uh, some of us are still there. I'm still there <laughs> sometimes. Um, well, as you said, you're, you're early to this. And I think that that, that brings us to a really good uh, point of discussion here. Something I wanted to touch on was I had heard you mention it earlier, and I call it the penny pinchers. Um, something that we haven't, I don't think, thoroughly discussed yet is when you're first getting started, uh, there's the... There's the giving. There's there's like five stages of of becoming a professional freelancer. And the first stage is giving it away for free, and the second stage is taking it up the yin yang. I mean, taking you know the, the tiny tiny jobs that are like, wow, I made eight bucks an hour or or less. <laughs> um, and then there's a couple stages after that, and it seems like you are currently in the wow, all the penny pinchers come out in the like, well, I'm making 
money. I mean, there's money involved. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it's it's all the people that were like, ooh. And, and what, what you what sparked this for me was that you had said somebody, you know, somebody called you uh, to, to do their wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, how can you do my wedding DJ? Well, in the wedding world, that's a very well industrialized uh, complex there. Uh, there's there's all sorts of people in the wedding world that have been there for years, decades, and you know it well, know their their trade well, you know, uh, florists, right. DJs, all that sort of stuff. All the people who make weddings happen. Yeah. So when somebody you know says, "Oh, hey, can you do our wedding?" and they know it's, they know that you just got back into it or you just started up and you don't you know have a real huge business or or, or long history, you already know. Oh, well, the next piece of that is uh, definitely for not a price that I would like it to be. Right. Um, can you can you speak to that a little bit and how, how that how, you know how that transition has been because obviously at some point you have to get out of that but you you've also passed the point where you do stuff for free. Sure. Yeah and just I, I think we were, we were in the middle you said it was like you, this, your second time as a, like sort of a video freelancer so obviously you move back from New York you probably have to sort of restart right so absolutely that you sort of like have to start from scratch again so just yeah. from that point of view yes definitely uh well let me let me take this from two angles so there's the there's the wedding dj stuff right okay. and and then there's the the wedding video stuff right so definitely have the experience for the the wedding dj stuff right that i feel super duper comfortable with and you know i'm in a position where i can say i can give you a quote and if that's too high for you, then I can say no. Because then, uh, so that's a comfort level for you. Then for, that's for, a comfortable job. Yes, yes. Because you've done enough, you know this is a good rate, and that asking any less is kind of silly. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be worth my time. That's right. like overly stressed out, right? Yeah. And I'm also in a position You're where a journeyman now. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite, because uh, in in some ways, I'm only really doing these as favors to some friends, right? Okay. So. I, when I look at, let's say, if I'm being asked to do a wedding, I look at how well I know them. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to donate my time to make your night better, like, because I like you, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's also an expectation that some of this person might not be bridezilla and have to, you know, not pay me or <laughs> just, like, make my life a living hell for, for however long, right? Mm-hmm. Has, has that happened? Has somebody who you know as a friend or a wife of a friend or fiance of a friend um, that you has asked that you're, you're kind of like, well, I really, really would like to be able to say no to you. You are a friend, so I have to say yes, but dear God, I hope this goes well. I mean, just, right. I, I personally haven't actually, I can't think of any times off the top of my head that I've had like a friend ask and been like, oh God, I wish I could say no and you weren't a friend. Um, but has it ever happened? No, thankfully. <laughs> okay. I mean, not yet. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's probably going to happen at some point. I think... Uh, I think the the biggest thing is sometimes there's like the client will say, just whatever you think, you know, I'm happy to pay you, but just whatever you think, you know, you're comfortable with. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so there's just some confusion there. And then, uh, you know, when and it's a friend, yeah, the, it, the extra confusion is that it's a friend. So then, and then you're trying to like reach out and be like, "Oh, so what was your budget again?" Like, you know, happy to happy to make it work, but yeah. I'm like, "No, no, no, whatever you want." And I'm like, uh, uh. 
you know. Right. So yeah, I, let's talk about let's go back yeah. to the video yeah. wedding yes. video thing, and you, you're not as comfortable asking for a rate with that, right? No, I'm not because I've never actually shot my own uh, wedding video, right? Like, uh, I, since it. I'm a DJ, I know what happens during a wedding. I know what the videographers are doing, and I'm seeing enough of these, you know, wedding highlight videos because. I'm older and then all my friends are getting married, right? You got married. Yeah, and I got married. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't have a, you know, we didn't have a wedding videographer or anything like that, right? But again, I know what this business is and I know what people charge and what was for me walking into this, I wanted to be very clear about what it is that you want, right? What's the type? They said they wanted something simple. I said, "Okay." Yeah. Yeah. So then, then I came back with my quote. I was like, I can get you this. It's going to include this, this, and this, and this. It was over their budget. Fine. You know, understand. Do you want to keep things? Um, I think they work in the nonprofit world, so understand, right? Uh, I was like, okay, well, what can you afford? So then they came back with their quote, and I said, okay, well, if that's smart, yeah. if, uh, if that's what you could afford, then this is the service that I can offer. Like, they were they're even offering, like, well, could we like cut down the hours that you're actually going to be on site? And they were really good to work with in, in that term. And they accepted kind of uh, my counter offer of like, okay, well, if this is what I'm happy, I-, I can take this. And obviously, I, I was very open to them about like, hey, this is my, actually my never shot a wedding before, but I know what's going on, but I can get what you want. Right. So yeah. you gave them some caveats as well. Yeah, absolutely. So they'd feel more comfortable with what they were spending their money on. So right? when, when somebody comes to you and they say, we can't pay you that much, what are some of the things that you're looking at dialing back? What are some of the ways? I mean, I know you mentioned hours. Are there any other things that you can do to sort of skim down that? Yes. Well, this was a piece that I was going to edit also. Okay. So yeah. the delivery time is something. Like mm-hmm. I told them, hey, look, I'll take it, but if I get another job that requires me to spend where I'm getting paid to do edit, like your project is going to have to go in the back burner and um, I might not get to it as quickly as, you know, as if you were paying right. top dollar. Right. That brings you back to that old uh, saying, you know, it's like you can have something cheap, good, or fast and you can pick two, right? Yeah. Pick two, right. Yeah. So they, they decided we didn't want it fast, right? You said if you want it cheap, you can't really have it fast. So yeah. I'll, I'll do it on my own time. Right. How, did, then, then you... Uh, Ask for payment after you were finished editing? Is that sort of how you worked well, that, that one out? Well, it was supposed to be. I, I got to deposit half of it um, up again. front. Yeah. Um, we did a contract, uh, half of it up front. Um, and then for some reason, I was uh, the, the next payment actually wasn't due until the first cut was delivered. I haven't delivered it yet. Um, but the wedding planner on the day of was like, Hey, how much do we owe you? We're just going to, or how much does, do the, does a couple owe? We're just closing out all the accounts today. Yeah. Yeah, We're settling up right now. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Probably weird to take money when you haven't finished the product yet, but maybe that started the fire to kind of get it done. Sure. Sure. And I also, you know, this was a, this was a job that was recommended by a friend. So I can't really, you know, not trying to screw that up, you know? So I know Chris and I, we work in the same field in videography. You know, I think we both kind of have this understanding. It's like if you're a wedding videographer, that's sort of what you do. You know, is this something that you think that you're going to try to specialize and learn to take more wedding gigs? Or is this something that you did more of like for a friend or for experience? Or 
It's probably more for experience. Yeah. I don't think I want to be in the necessarily in the wedding realm. Um, yeah, I mentioned a little bit earlier before we uh, started recording that I think to a lot of people in our industry, the wedding portion or segment of our industry is almost like the Borg. You're you're absorbed into it, and the you, Borg. You, you lose <laughs> Not your, the Borg, but the, the Borg. Borg, like Star Trek <laughs> Borg. You know, you you get absorbed into it, and you lose yourself to it because it becomes the only thing that you have time or ability to focus on, and it's such a specific thing that honestly. Even with cinematic wedding videos becoming in vogue to the, at this point, it's still not the same thing as being a corporate videographer or a narrative videographer or you know filmmaker. Um, and it becomes it, 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 to, to a lot of us, it's almost maybe that's not the best analogy, but to a lot of us, it's kind of this again, it's a segment we all just look at with like, oh, those people. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way you're putting it makes it seem like it's a little lower. I, I, I don't no, no, not think lower, it, just yeah. just that's like you know looking across the schoolyard at like. Maybe not popular to to unpopular, but the the goth kids looking at the <laughs> you know or not even goth, just right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I almost see it different groups that, that, looking the, at different the groups. Like they're different than us. Stuff. They're just very different than us. <laughs> yeah, I see. It's like almost that you could you could work shooting weddings and editing weddings for the rest of your life, right? It's yeah. it's the sort of thing that if you want to get into that, there's as much work as you can handle. So that's why it's like if you want to specialize in that, yeah. then that you can run that out. And those skills that you use for wedding videography and production, they don't necessarily translate to a lot. Of, like they don't translate to corporate video. Yeah. They don't translate to short. They, they can, but it's it's again it's like that schoolyard thing where what you look at, you see the goth kid. You know, my my friend Robert would be. You know, there occasionally you know maybe I'm sure he runs into somebody who only hasn't seen him in 20 years and remembers him as being that long-haired kid with the giant black trench coat. You know, running you know, with sunglasses on all the time. Like, you know, now he's a professional event coordinator at Club Auto Sport. <laughs> I mean, you know. But that might be the first, like, oh, yeah, Robert, yeah, you know, trench coat mafia. You know, right. I could totally see that only because of the perception. It's that perception, you know, once a, you see somebody in wedding videography, you're just, your brain thinks, oh, wedding videographer, you're the third or fourth string person I'm going to call when I need to find a, a you know, mid-price videographer for an interview. Sure. Yeah, sure. I think what we're talking about here is that, like, when you're a freelancer, you're going to get hired for what people know you as. You know, yeah. if, if I know you as a DJ and a wedding videographer, that's what it's going to think of. Mm. You know? But yeah, if you're like sure. marketing yourself as like a full-service filmmaker and you're servicing nonprofits like NOR, I want to get into that too so that way we're not just talking about the wedding big yeah, videography funny. thing too. But, yeah, I think it's very important to let people know not just what you do but the sort of work that – who you work for. You know, if you're working for – big tech clients out here, that sets you up to do work for further tech clients. It doesn't mm. set you up for other stuff. So yeah. Yeah. It's kind of frustrating tech at the clients, same time. Man. It's Oof. like if you want to stay in that lane, yeah. you can you can continue to get work through there. But Absolutely. don't necessarily think that you can just pivot and you know get out of that yeah. so easily either. I'll just jump from wedding videography to the next Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I know, just right? waiting on Bay to call me. Yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I'm his next DP because I'm so good at those wedding shots. Right. And, you know, they're... Again, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to knock, like, wedding videos, but uh, there's a template. And it's, you know... There's a structure to every, you know, any industry like that. You know, it's like if, if you can get good at it and you can say, all right, I know that 
they're expecting X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. And you're not futzing around, you know, trying to be more creative than you need to be, you know, and, and executing on that stuff. I think that's where the professionals sort of set themselves up. It's like you're creating packages for people, you know, yeah. that's like this is what you get for that. So you're not doing so much work every time for each client saying, all right, you know, it's like here, this is I do A or B. You know, you get the mm-hmm. premium package or the standard package. Right. Know? Right. Have you looked into sort of anything like that? I mean, in, I know you're you're kind of uh, doing a, a lot of different stuff now, trying to expand your business a little bit. I guess I would love to just kind of produce end to end as like the mm. the, the premium package. Um, it means writing, directing, shooting, editing, all that. Yes, which okay. is I know against what you have. Talked about in the past, not but necessarily. <laughs> yeah, what you're saying is, it, what, I think Evan's a little incorrect there. Not, maybe is that what you're saying is you want to be um, full service production? Sh- yes. Maybe not necessarily you doing every job. Y- yes. Yeah, and that, so, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. <laughs> I what, one of one of my good one of my good friends. He has a website, and then um, he was looking to kind of develop some promotion for it. So uh, this was like pro bono work that I did for my for a good buddy of mine. And I was like, hey, look, I want to put together a package of stuff or a package of videos, like a campaign that I can show poten- uh, future clients of what I would like to do for them, mm-hmm. right? So there was an event. Vid- he was, uh, he's also a DJ, um, but he also runs a website uh, called Tractivist. So what he wanted to do was he was up here to DJ an event. So we shot an interview with him that talked about the event and his company. And we ended up developing uh, maybe four or five videos just as a package. So I can say, oh, there's there's this event video that's very specific to what he was up here for. There's his... um, company overview video that we also did. And there were also basically interview clips, long, longer form uh, clips of topics that he wanted to discuss that were relating to the kind of work that he does. Mm-hmm. So I can now go out and say, hey, look, this is what I did for this company. Um, you know, like promotional material. It, it's all, promo- material. all promotional, all marketing material. Yes. But coming at it, thinking of Uh, thinking about, it's not just a video that we're doing. Okay, so what I would love to do, to be honest with you, is um, to come up with a full campaign that includes social also. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, here's your product video, but what are you doing on Instagram? What are you doing on Facebook? So what you're talking about is being a creative agency. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 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 Well, you're coming to them and you're helping them figure out the message and helping them craft that as opposed to being like, here, make make a video with me talking about this. They come to you and say, I want to create a social marketing campaign, and they're working with you to make that. I think that's the next... Vi- oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, yes. Um, but even still, uh, if they say, hey, all I want is a video, my job will be like, well, hey, what can we... How can we leverage this, this time that we're shooting with you to make some other things? Yeah. Okay. You know, so we can do like, yeah, we'll shoot this video. We'll do like a nice little... Maybe explainer video, product video, but you know what? Let's shoot some BTS, then we can post that as a something. Or let's do some motion graphic element that you can, you know. Absolutely. Well, and and here's that's that's part of the next step. As 
As Beer number two. Oh, wait, can we, not, can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, absolutely. We are drinking uh, Blue Moon Mango hey, yeah, Wheat. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what we're drinking. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Oh, sponsors, little, sponsors, give us a call. I'm sure Blue Moon's not hey, going to sue us. Yeah. Give us some money. Yeah, I know. That's true. <laughs> no free promos. Um, Unlike what I do. <laughs> right? But but that's I think that's the next evolution um, in our industry. As things become more automated and as technology and uh, programs become more and more capable of doing our jobs for us, as our iPhones become capable of making quality video, the value added to the client is the creative service that you provide. So if all the creative service you provide is directing a video that they did all the work on, <laughs> it's not a lot. We, we're going to automate that pretty soon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but as, as video and as creative services and, and as marketing and social media uh, trickle down, if you will, to the smaller and smaller and smaller clients that allows us uh, on a smaller scale to offer and to compete at a much more uh, almost quantum level with the ability to to provide creative services, integrated marketing. Um, you know, I, I I know a lot of people that, that get all of that service through their web provider. The, some, the person that makes their website is also the person that basically does all of their marketing, has created their brand, and mm-hmm. it's it's... It's, it's a big thing, and it's, it's one or two people, you know, type operations. So same with video crews that are like three or four, you know. And it may not, like, like, like myself, you might be a subcontractor, mm-hmm. you know, where you just subcontract the same three people, and it's you for the most part at the company. Sure. Maybe you and a partner. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the next evolution of our industry, of, of the creative freelancing industry, sure. I think. Sure, Absolutely. Yeah, I like that you're sort of suggesting things to your client and being like, let's make the most out of this time. I think that, that your clients obviously probably appreciate that. It's like you're not just doing A and B, what they told you to do, but you're bringing your own expertise to the table. I think that's huge. I think that's why we get hired, right, mm-hmm. is to bring our own perspectives and our own understanding of what really works and what you can you can do. Yeah, also to help, help them see around corners, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of these folks... You know, they, they know that they want to help promote their business, but they don't know how. They mm-hmm. they might not have the knowledge of, you know, the the impact of posting on Facebook and doing a, a live stream or... They're reactionary. I think that a lot of clients yeah. that we meet at the smaller end are reactionary. And marketing is a reactionary thing. You Maybe you say yes to the... The person that comes in the door to sell you a spot in the high school, local high school newspaper or something like that, or Yellow Pages calls you and maybe you, for some reason, still advertise with the Yellow Pages. <laughs> um, but Facebook, you know, and maybe if you're on Facebook and you see Facebook ask you about doing a Facebook ad, you try to put one together. But there's no knowledge base and there's no experience base. And as a service provider, it, it can be a huge value add to you to research a little bit of that on your own and to, and to be able to bring that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do want to bring it back just a little bit because I'm not sure that everyone who's listening to this podcast has sort of seen my presentation that you both have seen, which is about making sure that people understand your specialty Mm -hmm. and not trying to work outside that. And I know that we had mentioned that you're sort of working to become more of a full service soup to nuts video production company. And I like to think of it as that like, yeah, that's awesome to promote yourself as that way. And then once you get a client, you then call somebody who can shoot it and call somebody who can edit it, but it's all under your name. Your client doesn't need to know all these other people that you're hiring, right? Right. And it's that if you're if you want to 
right for this project, you can. Or if you want to shoot this one, you can. You know, it's like you can jump on whatever aspect of it yeah. that you want. Well, but part but of, it's just that the work will be better when you involve other yes. people who are specialists. And part of well. what they're paying for is that cap, that nice little, you know, when you open up the, the, the hood of the car, it's not this clean, shiny, cherry red paint. It's this rumbly engine with all these parts and wires in it that you go, especially with my electronic car, you just go, God, I don't want to know how to deal with any of this. And that's what your client is going. They want to go, I want to see this pretty car pull up. I don't care how you make that happen under the right. hood. Where you got the parts <laughs> from or any of right. that stuff. Yeah. Tell me it's the best stuff. Good. <laughs> well, maybe we can pivot our conversation now to talk about your sort of personal life. I know that, you know, because... Uh, your father, you said that's your full-time job. If you kind of want to talk about being a father and a freelancer at the same time, we'd be happy to hear about that. Yeah. Um, well, I will say that it's hard. Um, you know, so maybe the the better way is to kind of let me go back and uh, kind of explain kind of my path. Sure, uh, sure. So in 2015, I left my job at um, Hulu, the streaming company, um, to move back up here to the Bay Area because my wife got this big baller job and, like, it would have been stupid to turn that down. And anyway, so we're back here in the Bay Area. And then I kind of uh, was at a crossroads. I was like, okay, well, I could either try and look for another full-time job um, or I can try and kind of start my own business. Now, having the having had the experience of kind of being a grip in New York and kind of uh, working on sets and kind of combining that with kind of the production aspect that I picked up at Hulu, it seemed like it was the perfect time to kind of go out on my own and try and start a video production business. So that kind of all fell in line with kind of moving back here and having my wife have this like super baller job, which would allow me um, the opportunity to stay home with our, at that time, one and a half year old daughter um, to kind of look out and like watch her during the day, be the primary caregiver. Um, in part, probably because daycare is so expensive. Yes, yeah. in part because daycare was so expensive. And then I was still kind of growing my business. Um, but also because you want to spend time with her too. I don't want to sell. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> it's been super duper fun. Like we went to the park every day. Um, That's awesome. It was it was great, and you know, there's, I don't think there's anything that has been as cool, uh, especially throughout my transition back here to the Bay Area. That that was kind of just being there every day. You know, you know, mothers get to spend a, a lot. Of, not enough time, but during the maternity leave, just day after day, just uh, raising a kid. But um, having a kid that was a year and a half and kind of experiencing that day to day as a dad. And, I, you know, I was I went I was working full time and went to work. I took maybe three weeks off uh, when when my daughter was born. So that was huge um, and super important. It is hard, though. Because if you're the primary caregiver, that means if you take a gig, you got to make sure you know, you have to figure out some other situation. Luckily, grandmas are around <laughs> and can kind of watch the kids. Um, but freelancing implies a level of freedom. Yes, absolutely. That so you lose. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know. 
Evan, what your situation is like if if you've got like a home office, but like, so I've got like a home office where I have a desk where I do my editing and yeah, I got all the stuff. Same thing. Yep. Um, but it's also shared with uh, my kids' toys and books mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, it's hard, man. It's, it's really hard to sometimes get into headspace of, of working. You know, there would be times where I was on a, on a big project and I could only work at night because that's when the kids were sleeping. Mm-hmm. And, and that's tough when you're awake all day chasing a kid around to, you know, one and a half, like a toddler around. Yeah. And yeah. then you'd love to just <laughs> probably go lie down with your wife and, and call it a night, but not exactly. Like throw, on, throw on some like Hulu or Netflix <laughs> and fall asleep to whatever stupid yeah. movies playing. But, but no, it's like, okay, now I got to drink some coffee and yeah. put in, you know, try and put in like two, three, four hours on an, on an edit and, that's tough. Yeah. That's really tough. I mean, I don't have kids yet, but I mean, it, I'm, I'm struggling just to ignore the laundry and the dishes and all that stuff that comes with the home office. Do you have any any tips that you've sort of learned at this point to sort of get into that zone? Other no. Than, no? No. Just do it late at I night. I was actually going to ask you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like to wear headphones. I feel like uh, when I'm wearing I'm headphones. I'm very messy. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Me too, I, dude. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> headphones. Headphones definitely helps. Uh, being... There was, I talked to a friend who said two hours by yourself is way better than four hours of multitasking. Mm. And there'd be times where I'd try and work on an edit while the kids over here may be, you know, playing with toys. And that's totally true. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather carve out two hours while they're sleeping instead of try and do it during the day while so you're trying to watch So it. specialize, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I also wanted to ask if you were doing any sort of marketing of your your company, or if you had sort of any sort of uh, momentum <clears throat> building, or any any sort of things that you've tried out to try to get your name out there to more people. I know we met at a freelancer meetup. I'm sure that's a huge part of it is going out to these meetups. I, is that your primary marketing tool for your business right now? Yes, I. Sadly, I don't have a strong marketing plan of my own. For trying to get work. That sounds like most of us. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be so nice if we could just hire ourselves, okay, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're not alone there by any means. <laughs> you know, for, and I think this is partly kind of the balancing act that I have to do as kind of a part time, you know, video, video guy and DJ and, and dad is that, you know, there's something that's holding me back from hustling super hard. Mm hmm. And it, you know, some of it is might be just psychological, like, oh, I got to take care of the, you know, I got to make sure the kids are all set. And, you know, so sometimes it's that. Um, but this also probably fear of just putting myself out there. Uh, That's probably a common thread for most freelancers is, is that fear. Yeah, I would say that was the first thought I had when you said it could be the kids. No, it's it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. Anytime you're you're starting out, it's that you, you see people who are you know you look up to probably, and then you're like, oh man, they're so good. You know, it's like you don't want to be bigger this, than you yeah. are. Yeah. Right? Yes. You, know, you want to make sure that people understand. I'm just starting. I'm and there's probably a lot of people who are looking for that, right? Because they don't want a super expensive somebody egotistical maniac. They want somebody's on their level. And there's that penchant to always think that those who've come before you are so much better perpetually than you will ever be, if you will. That, yeah. That's, that's, that, that you're constantly chasing that. 
Yeah, so there's yeah, so it's fear, and then te- like a sidebar to that fear is like ins- insecurity, <laughs> right? Insecure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 weird because I know I'm confident that I can probably do all this stuff and do it well, but it's just showing it to people, and you know, so that's, my that's my tough. insecurity comes from my level of confidence. I'm so confident sometimes it makes me insecure. That, gee, I'm, am I sure I should have that level of confidence? I think that's, <laughs> I that's, no, that's okay, yeah. a huge cir- circular cycle we all, we, all, we all get ourselves into. It's just part of being a freelancer. Well, I mean, I like to think of it, I don't know if this you is You have to be bold s- enough to go out on your own and then foolish enough to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, yeah. I like to think of it as like I'm on my grind is like the kind of silly, you know, phrase I have in my head of like when I feel like I'm doing well, you know. Yeah. Is there any way that you feel like you're on your grind or like how you get into the the motion that's like this is this is working for me? No. <laughs> because as soon as I get that, there's like <laughs> something that takes me out of it. Okay, you yeah, there, there's some <laughs> other event or some, you know, Yeah, it's just like, oh, no, I have I haven't yet. Um, you know, you, you do feel moments where you're just motivated to just get stuff done. I've, I've definitely been in, in those situations, mm-hmm. but, um, not in the sense of just like, cool, I'm on my, I'm on my grind. Cause like this, this thing's, this job's coming up and then I'm, I'm wrapping this and f- flying straight into this. And right. then, you know, um, I, I find, I'm sure you've been this way too, where it's like, there's times when you're super slammed with work and there's just, it's coming from all directions. And then finally, when you get through it, you're like, I, I'm amazed at like what I was able to get done in that short oh, amount of absolutely. time, you know? And it's like, by that pressure, you know, you've actually been able to, to do a yeah. lot more. And I'm sure fatherhood adds a lot of that pressure too, where it's like, you now realize you only have X number of hours in a day and this is what you got to yeah. get done in that amount of time. You yeah, know? So absolutely. I think, yeah, if you can reflectively look back on that as like, Okay, yeah, even though it was uncomfortable, that was the stuff that really pushed me, yeah. you know, to, to, to get it done. <laughs> Absolutely. I think especially as creatives, we're all in a, in a specifically creative field, um, you, you have the, the tendency to let your creative thoughts push your brain into that hot air balloon of just kind of billowy everything and having pressure is what brings that yeah. back down into a manageable Just waiting for the wind thought. to push you because <laughs> yeah. you can't make up your mind which way you yep. want to go. <laughs> but I did want to ask because I know you've made the most of your sort of fatherhood in that you've taken on a creative project as a podcaster, right? Mm, I have, yeah. <laughs> Not just on our show. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Yes. So I'd love to have you guys record from our booth sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that'd be rad. Our podcast podcast. So, here. yeah, well, what's the show about? So, the name of uh, my podcast, uh, of our podcast, is called Papa Culture. Mm, yes. So, it's me and a good buddy of mine who uh, who has a year, year old kid now. And he and I have been friends for probably, gosh, over 20 years. And um, we were talking one day about how. In the past, when we didn't have kids, we'd hang out and we'd have these long conversations about all the stuff that we like to consume, whether it was music, movies, TV, whatever. <laughs> right? And, and we would just like wax poetic about like the dopest MCs and like yeah, why they were great. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and we realized that we didn't have engagements and conversations like that anymore, right? Mm. And especially now that we have kids, like, you end up talking a lot about 
what your kids do where the other parents and have someone like me who's at home all the time I'm only talking to kids bro <laughs> you know what I'm saying so uh, he and I, he had this idea it's like hey do you think you'd want to try just like doing a podcast where we can talk about all the stuff that we love to watch and we love to consume but from the through the lens of fatherhood and mm. identifying whether or not your attitude has now changed about that particular Gosh. topic, right? Okay. So we recorded one and we talked about like sports and what it was like when we were growing up and what we think we're go- how how we're going to be as dads with our kids with regard to sports. And then it was fun. And we just decided to, hey, let's record another one. Then, hey, let's record another one. Hey, let's record another one. And then, you know, all of a sudden now we're recording every other week. Um, It seems like it might only, might just be an excuse for you and your friend to get together and have this sort of discussion. It sounds like a very cathartic uh, uh, device for you guys, yeah. It's almost like for me with this one where it's like, I just like getting in a room with Chris and and our guests. We we have a beard, we talk, we talk. Yeah, we wax poetic about freelancing. No, I love it. it <laughs> but I'm to curious, be honest, yeah. I, I'm going to have to start changing this our format because it's really nice to be in like in front. Like, yeah. Do you have any sort of ambitions for where your your podcast? I don't know if you said the name of it already. No, uh, I did. Papa culture. Papa, Papa culture. culture. I didn't yeah. want to break it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Papa culture. Do you have any ambitions for that? Where it might go? Or no? I mean, like I think. I, I think right now we're trying to experiment with the different type of content mm. that uh, we want to put on it. So we have our normal conversations about random topics. Um, just recently, uh, I actually put up a, a mix, a DJ mix that I called My 90s Summer. And it's all nice. the hip-hop and R&B songs that I kind of grew up listening to. I probably know many of them. Yeah, you probably <laughs> do. So, so anyway, we just thought like I was talking to my buddy John, and I said, "Hey, do you think this would be viable like during our off week to just post this?" I don't know. It just as an experiment. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, let's try it." So that's up. So you know, we're we're looking at ways we want to do more interviews with with other dads, yeah. um, just to kind of share experiences. And any uh, like any local father musicians? Yeah. No, not yet. <laughs> uh, no, there's. There's a couple on our list. There's there's one guy. I haven't reached out to him yet. But, um, I feel like that's like the, the hardest freelance thing to do is to be like a, a father musician as your job. <laughs> yes. As, yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't had that yet. Maybe we can do a cross pod with uh, yeah. freelance. Yeah, right. Freelance dad. Yeah. Hell, I can. Freelance uh, musician dad. Speaking of the fact that this is a freelance uh, based podcast, we have the Cinema Exchange, which is our new studio venture up in uh, North San Jose area that is opening up in about a month and a half or so. We've got to build our cycleram out there. But so it's probably a, as the time you're listening to this, it'll uh, be open. right about the time that you open this, <laughs> will be open. Um, uh, yeah, right. Uh, it is a co working space. Uh, oriented towards filmmakers, uh, basically very similar to a WeWorks or a Next Space, but with a large studio shooting space and a camera rental department in-house so that uh, you can air- have everything at your fingertips. Uh, with that, we'd like to pitch your uh, your website. Go ahead and... Uh... Yeah, so it's precisionmediaworks.com. That's it. And um, Papa Culture Podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much everywhere that you get your... Uh, your podcast feeds. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
Papa Culture Pod. Anton, thank you so much for being with us yeah, today. Yeah, thanks, Anton. Thanks so Great much for having, having me. Show, man. This has been Never Work Alone. See you next time. <laughs>